When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Bailey of Sports Network. We are live here on YouTube and we'll be on the podcast side sometime later this evening or tomorrow morning. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher, as per the always. Eric, what's happening, man? It was a crazy-ass week for my ass and back are a little bit sore from sitting on the couch so much. How you doing? Back's good. I, I like, rotated positions, you know, laying on the couch, reclining on the couch, <laughs> sitting on the couch. Um, yeah, it was, it was an awesome week. Um Kind of bummed it's over. A lot of good games. Yeah, it was. But, uh, you know, we've got some stuff to look forward to next week. The the slate is not like a week three status slate. It's uh, somewhat no, decent. but No, yeah, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to recap a little bit. Week four action. We uh, did pretty well, I think, overall as a group on our bets. Um, yeah, you carried me, but uh, we did fine. Well, you know, you broke even, and uh, I uh, were I, I was able to, you know, get us over the top. But I'm sure oh. it'll be the opposite in other weeks. But uh, so, real quick here, I'm just going to run through these, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the ones that uh, we don't really, you know, have a whole lot of takes on. I guess if that makes sense, and then we'll get into some of the other games the recaps in which we didn't have plays uh, and we'll, you know, take a little bit more time on those. So I'm going to start with you. (laughs) So you had, you took an L right out of the gate on, what was that? Friday night, Friday night or Thursday night, Thursday Thursday night, Sunbelt action. Yeah. The well was, uh, it had run dry apparently in coastal Carolina yeah. minus six and a half takes an L Georgia state gives them the business. I didn't watch a yeah. second of that. Did you see any of it or were you I watched? On it? Yeah, I watched most of it. Um, I, I meant to look today and then I got tied up with other stuff. I wanted to see if I could dig up somewhere, some sort of uh, advanced stats rundown on yards after contact for Georgia state because the the tackling display put on by Coastal Carolina was uh, just made my eyeballs bleed. Like it was so bad. Like they'd hit a guy in the backfield and break a tackle, make another guy miss pretty soon as thirteen yards. Like just continually. So I mean that's that's how you win by two scores, I guess. Um, Coastal was six of fourteen on third down because they were constantly behind the sticks. They, you know, third and long, third and long, third and long, third and long. So. Got outplayed. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's tough to take an L right out of the gate. You're never 
never in good spirits after that. You're like, well, shit, <laughs> see how this week's going to go. But you did catch a little relief, Kansas and BYU. Mm-hmm. Easy over money. 55 and a half, easy cover. Kansas continues to not play much defense, and uh, BYU was kind enough to score lots of points, and Kansas obviously 4-0 for the second time since uh 1915, I think they were 4-0 last year and then this year. Yeah, they're 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time in 110-ish years. Yeah, basically since since World War I. Nice job. So, uh, yeah, good start for them. Uh, Let's see what else you had. had, Oh, man, Oregon State, the Beavs, Uh the defense – Got down big early, clawed back, uh, made it a game out of it. They lost 38-35, but I was on the wrong yeah. side of two and a half points. Uh, am I am I a little bit too premature to say Cam Ward should be in the Heisman conversation? Um, I mean, the dude was at one point in this game, he was 19 of 20. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't. I mean, I know they played Wisconsin. Obviously, they played Oregon State. I don't remember offhand who else they played. I think he gets another couple of conference games against you know mm-hmm. the likes of a Oregon or a Utah. Um, you know, USC. I can't imagine what he would do to a USC defense, UCLA. Even um, I think he would need a couple of performances, like not necessarily nineteen of twenty, but well, not a couple not of big games in saying. conference play might get him up the ladder a little yeah. bit. I'm not saying that he's, you know, in the same league as like Michael Penix or uh, even even Quinn Ewers to this point. But you know, the I just think that nobody's really talking about him. That's all I'm saying. Nobody's really mentioning him. Nobody's really paying any attention to the fact that Washington State's four and zero with wins over good Power Five teams, and their quarterback is going off, and no one's yeah. paying attention. So they will. I don't know. They'll get they'll get their they'll, chances. Yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. So Cam Ward, really good game there. So you were on a loser there from the jump. Uh, yeah, yeah I think they scored on their third play. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was speaking of, speaking of behind the sticks. Like I was, speaking you know, I, I was right out of the gate, like from the get. Yeah, treading water. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. And so Sam Houston State was looking for their first touchdown of the season. They did happen to find it. And uh, Houston scored quite a bit of points, so you're under 38 and a half. I think Houston scored 37 by themselves. So, Yeah, 38-7 uh, thir- to seven final. Uh, don't feel terrible about yeah. that one. That one, I would actually like rather take these three losses like I did than last week. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, you know, not get, just, hey, bad pick didn't work out fine as opposed to, getting heartbroken in the final minute multiple times. Like, you know, this one went over midway through the third quarter. So it's like, okay, well, what can you do? Yeah, now I don't have to pay attention to it anymore. Thank God. Uh, All right. And then you closed out with a couple of W's, man. Uh, UAB plus 41 and a half. UAB punches it in late in garbage time, gets you the the backdoor cover maneuver. So it was really backdoor. It was just breathing room, really. They were down. um, Yeah. They were down 35 at that point. I was like, man, you get down to like three or four minutes left. If they can just find a way, even a field goal, um, 
you know, because at that point, if you just if you give up a touchdown, you're still under 42. So worked yeah. out. They lost by 28. Yeah, good call on the plus 41 and a half. Easy money, solid God, cover there. It is indeed. And so that puts you at two and three. And then the yep. last one that you were on, you we were up, we were both on it. James Madison, this fucking game. Yeah. Holy shit. If you're, I mean, I don't know if you can go find some highlights on YouTube, but if you are just a listener or a casual college football fan, go look up the highlights of James Madison versus Utah State. At one point, actually two points in this game. Yeah, two separate times. James Madison, James Madison had a 24-point lead twice. It was 31 to 7 at one point in the second quarter. Utah State comes all the way back, scores 24 unanswered, and then ends up tying at 38-38. And there were about four, three or four turnovers in the span of like five, six minutes between yeah. both teams in yeah, the fourth quarter. There was even and at you, one point, James Madison's coach pulled out a cell phone to show the officials a video clip of a call that they blew. Uh, this game had it all. <laughs> I wish it would have been on TV. <laughs> yeah, it was on Mountain West Network, I think. So I don't know who has that, if anyone. But uh, either way, it was a, a crazy game. James Madison scores a touchdown late, uh, probably six minutes left or so. Turns it, Utah State throws a pick in the end zone. James Madison immediately fumbles, gives the ball back. Utah State thro- immediately throws another pick. Another one. And uh, James Madison secures the cover. Minus six and a half. Never in doubt, right? Never yeah. in doubt. Yeah, easy money. Yeah, easy enough to give me a heart attack. I'm over here like swiping the Twitter you know, the latest tweets mm-hmm. on James Madison just swiping over and over again for anybody who might be watching it. So you're like, God damn it, why are they trending? Well, what went wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good. So having to refresh the old Twitter feed every two seconds to see what's happening. But we did get a cover. James Madison minus six and a half. So that takes you to three and three on the week. Mm-hmm. And your bullpen pick, which leads me into my picks. You took yep. Notre Dame on the money line at yeah. plus 142. And I took the points with Notre Dame at plus three. I actually later on uh, Saturday morning got him a, a plus three and a half. So that, you know, for the purpose of the podcast, my pick at plus three did not hit, but I was able to manage to secure a winning bet at plus three and a half. Yeah. Turn it into actual money later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for the purpose of this, I did miss on that. So this game, man, I want to hear your takes on Notre Dame before I sort of give a bunch of, you know, negative comments here. Uh, what, what were your major takeaways from Notre Dame? Uh, Major takeaway, I would have liked to have seen them run more play action instead of just straight dropbacks because the running game was effective enough. I think they maybe, if they worked more play action into it, could have could have gotten something down the field a little easier. I, I, Hartman had less than 200 yards passing. Yeah, no uh, plays I mean, of 20, no plays of 25 yards or more. Yeah, no. I, I mean, that's really kind of my only takeaway. Other than that, it was just a fantastic game. It was a fantastic game. It was close the whole time. 
Ohio State was not terribly effective on offense up until the last drive. And I mean, Notre Dame's defense played fantastic mm-hmm. for, I would say, up until the last two minutes of the game. They played fantastic. And, you know, once again, I mean, I remember texting you at the end of this game when Notre Dame had their last offensive possession and they kind of fumble fucked around and didn't get a first down and Ohio state had no timeouts. I was like, all you have to do is get a couple of first downs and the game's over. Well, I think, you know, yeah, I think they, they had, one, they had one that they, they saved one timeout. So you get two first downs and the game's over. Mm-hmm. So gain 20 yards and they couldn't do it. Hartman runs some kind of weird, like keeper option play where he ends up taking a massive loss after a false start. And it just, it was a master class on how not to operate your offense on the final possession of the game when you're trying to put a game away Mm -hmm. and they end up giving the ball back and Ohio state gets the ball. They do some crazy shit. A bunch of stuff happens. They go down and they score with one second left on the clock and put Notre Dame away, win 17 to 14. Notre Dame can't push the ball down the field. All they can do is bully people up front. And I, I think a they team like can. Ohio State. I'm just not sure that they really tried all that hard. Well, I think Ohio State's defense has NFL dudes all over it. I think they're extremely well coached. They're, they have arguably the best defensive coordinator in the country coaching on their team. It's arguable. Mm-hmm. And so when you get matched up against talent like that, Hartman's not going to have just dudes open, but right. you still have to try to push the ball down the field. And they, they just can't do it. I don't think I, I think if they could, or if they felt they could do that, they would have tried, you know what I mean? But at one point in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame had run 30 some odd offensive plays, rushing the ball. Ohio state had run eight plays total in the second half at that point. Mm-hmm. And so Notre Dame dominated the game for most of the game, like up front, but just, I, I don't know. I think they just choked. I mean, is that, is that too they, harsh a way to put it? They just choked about, at the end. I don't know about choke. They, they got, just had a couple of rough sequences that that last possession where, you know, just, just move the sticks, just move the six one time. And you can run the ball three times. Even if you don't get another first down, you make them use the timeouts. You punt, you know, get them, get them back deep. Um, yeah, and they have the ball with 30 seconds left instead of two yeah, and a half minutes. That, that was rough. They gave up some big chunk plays towards the end that, you know, it's oh, like, God, well, the you pet, can't, like, yeah, you the, can't, you can't just lose Igbuka. No. Just can't do it. Yeah. Busted coverage. Nobody's in the middle of the field. Igbuka yeah. takes a huge catch down the middle of the field, and then you get the pass interference on the sideline where the guy just runs into him, didn't even get his head back. He was just like, I'm going to give up a big play. I'm just going to tackle him. Mm-hmm. You know, automatic first down again. That It just, the miscues at the end, I just, yeah. well, again, I don't, I don't blame the defense. I blame the offense 100%. And the one thing I blame on the defense, I have coming out of a timeout when the team is on the one yard line trying to punch it in to score and beat you, and you run yeah. 10 guys out on the field. What in the fuck? <laughs> I, 
there's no words. There's no words, Marcus Freeman. And they knew he was asked about it, and they knew after one play that they had 10 guys on the field. And his response was, well, we were worried about running another guy out there because we might get a penalty right. for an illegal an illegal substitution, which, yeah. okay, that's fair. But what are they going to do to you? They're going to move the ball four inches? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, you need that 11th guy. You have better odds there. It, at that point, you're inside of one yard. Like, all they can do is move the ball six inches and – at that point, it doesn't matter. They still have to snap it back to someone. Roll it over. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, it just, that was an unbelievable call. But yeah, nonetheless. It last, it was a rough last two minutes for them. They, I mean, yeah. they played, they played really well up until then and just had a couple of miscues at the worst possible time. Yeah, basically. And, you know, kudos to Ohio State. They were mm-hmm. down. They, and they drove down and had a couple of fourth and ball game plays and a couple of things that did go their way. You know, the intentional grounding, things mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, the they board. converted a fourth and six or a fourth and seven. Um, they get yeah. the grounding call to bring up third and like 18 yards. And that's when they hit the big pass down the middle. Um, yeah. You know, they, they had their share of miscues as well. And they, they responded and found a way. So congratulations to them. Yeah. And I will say it was a pleasure to watch the game and not see a hundred points scored and 2000 yards of offense. It was an old school, gritty, nasty three yards in a cloud of dust type of game up until the last two minutes. So it was Mm -hmm. a pleasure to watch the entire time, regardless of the outcome Uh, aside, you know, we have no horse in either one of those teams races, but we were both hoping based on betting that Notre Dame would win. But either way, my three plus three did not cover Notre Dame. Still got a shot to make the playoff, I think, if they were to beat Clemson and USC. But Clemson, we'll talk well, about them in yeah, just think, a minute. I think who else do they get? I think they have Duke on the schedule and North Carolina. Yes. They have other yeah. quality teams. I mean, I we yeah. we kind of agreed going into the year, like they can get through the, you know, their schedule is such that if they can get through 11 and one, they are almost guaranteed a playoff spot. Like 11 and one against that schedule is a playoff team. Yeah. And losing on the last second to Ohio state might do them some favors too. If, if Ohio state were to run the table, which is Mm -hmm. very possible, you know, there's nothing to say that they can't do that. So, uh, nonetheless, that did not cover. So I took an L there, but I reeled off four straight wins after that. Yep. Uh, Liberty, Minus 10 and a half, give me Liberty or give me death. Liberty comfortably smokes FIU to the tune of, I want to say it was 38 to 7. 38-6, yep. 38-6, yeah. So comfortable win there. Easy money on minus 10 and a half. Got a green check mark there. We already talked about James Madison. That was a cover for me. And then Michigan State, boy. I tell you what, Michigan State's football team has just quit. They've it's not played. good. They then players. Ha- I I went back just because I didn't watch this game, but out of curiosity, I went back and just checked the highlights. The, they're not trying. They're not even trying to play hard. Like they're maybe some of the players are, but overall, I think that team has just quit. And I mean, if Vegas doesn't catch, if Vegas don't catch up to them this week, then it's going to be easy money betting on whoever's playing them. And it's yeah. just, man, Maryland just 
did whatever they wanted to do against them. And it was a beat down for minute one. Maryland didn't even play all that great of a game and they still did what they wanted to. So yeah. easy money on minus seven and a half there for Maryland on the road. And then a game that I kind of had to sweat up until one o'clock in the morning. I watched the entire game. I did doze you off a couple that? times. I did. because, And I'll tell you why. <laughs> At one point, it was like 59 to 12 or something along those lines. And I dozed off and I turned it back on and it was 59 to like 32. And I was like, oh my God. I've got him at, you know, for my bet now at minus 21 and a half, understand if they score again, I don't cover. And as time is running down, there's under a minute. Cal has the ball and they're driving. They got to like the 20 yard line and ran out of time. This is the Washington Cal game in case listeners are unsure what we're talking about. Yes. Sorry. I didn't mention that, but yeah, it was 59 (laughs) to 32 and Cal's got the ball driving in the last minute of the game and they got to the 20 yard line going in and just ran out of time. Mm. And so, I mean, I was, I was a almost a backdoor cover by Cal away from losing that bet, but did cover Washington was able to get the stop. Thank God. And uh, one o'clock in the morning, I was like, woohoo, you know, I'm rich. So that was a, uh, a, a clutch in there. Michael Penix looked like, I mean, Cal sucks. We know that. But Michael Penix looked like John Elway out there just doing whatever the hell he wanted to do, putting it in tight windows. Washington was scoring at will, and they could have scored 120 points in this game if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, they took him out uh, mid third quarter, I think. Yeah, they did. And so it was just a, utter beatdown blowout and Cal once again, I, I got nothing positive to say about Cal. They don't care about winning and it shows. So, and then the bullpen pick that I had was Auburn and Texas A&M under 51 and a half. That was easy money because Auburn can't score at, at least against a good defense. They Peyton Thorne needs to be on the bench at this point, And he was, at some point in the game, I forget when it was, but Robbie Ashford did come in. They didn't do much after that either, but yeah, I, I don't know if they have any great the options. They don't, but I think Ashford gives them the best chance to at least make something happen because no one fears Peyton Thorne. No one. Yeah. But I it, remember it, talking to Cole Kubelik about it in the spring. Um, I kind of feel the same way where I, I view Ashford as maybe the higher ceiling yes lower floor like his version of bad i think is going to be worse than peyton thorns but i think he offers more upside because of his athleticism and they need some sort of spark because their offense is horrid yeah he's the he, he's the buying bitcoin compared to buying us bonds yeah, yeah. If you're going to yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's a lot more volatile but nonetheless, Auburn gets their ass handed to them. Texas A&M, I, I don't know what to think about it. Connor Wigman, I haven't seen an update on his injury, but he was out the remainder of the game. Max Johnson yeah. came in and lit Auburn on fire. Started 5-5 yeah, five well. five with 100 yards and two TDs. <laughs> Just lit him up, man. So good for Max yeah. Johnson getting in there and looking amazing. 
Texas yeah, Auburn scored Auburn scored ten points. Seven of that was their defense, their scoop and score. Where yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo um, almost Jimbo made the tackle. Got... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, how, oh my God, how, what you... how fantastic would it have been if he just clotheslined that kid? I wish that he would have and just been like, You're not gonna score on us, motherfucker. Smack. Yeah, you know, take, take mean, your 15. Yeah, he gets ejected. They take a 15-yard penalty, whatever, but it still would have been one of the greatest stories in college football yeah. in the last 20 years if Jimbo just, like, pushes him out of bounds. <laughs> I would have been a much bigger Jimbo Fisher fan had he have done that, but he just let him roll on by, so I was like, no, Yeah, I wouldn't respect. like him anymore, but I would have respected the move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish it would have happened. I was like, get him, damn. What's he doing? Oh, wait. You know, yeah, if you're going to be on the field, like make it matter. Otherwise, what yeah. are you doing out there? I don't know. It was funny, though. And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Fisher was on the sideline and sort he of wasn't on the sideline. Four, he was yeah, three to four yards in three paces onto the field. <laughs> yeah, three paces onto the field of play. And uh, Auburn picked it off and ran up the sideline and it just happened quicker than Jimbo could account for. And so he just kind of froze <laughs> Auburn's defender ran right by him up the sideline. It was, it was good stuff. Funny thing. If you want to YouTube it, but, yeah, the, the guy with the ball was between Jimbo and the sideline. That's where he yes. ran. That's how far yeah. onto the field he was during live Correct. action. Yeah. Not good. Uh, I would imagine somebody might send him an email on that from the sec offices. Like, Hey man, uh, just yeah. FYI. Maybe stay on the sideline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Greg Sankey already shot off a text. <laughs> it's like, hey, dumbass, get off the field. Yeah, get back coach fired. <laughs> yeah, so that took me, uh, since we don't count bullpen picks, that was just a reserve. Yep. That took me to four and one on the week, and that took you to three and three. Overall, I'm 13 and 11, four and oh in the bullpen. Maybe start betting some bullpen picks here. I, I mean, I, I would love to be 17 and 11 instead of 13 and 11, but that takes you to nine and 12, 0 and yep. 1 in the bullpen. So, still got some work to do. Need to have a good week this week. But, yeah. So, now that we're out of the bets, let's talk about some of the games that we did not have takes on. And I want to start with your takes on Clemson and Florida State because I got to. <laughs> I'll, I'll save my comments for after what you think about Clemson and Florida State. I thought the game was kind of a microcosm of Mike Norvell's entire tenure at Florida State, where uh, you know it it looked grim at times, and they had to bounce back and they had to respond well and fight through some a little adversity. Clemson looked like the better team for I would Three say and a half quarters. Yeah, the majority of the game, at least two and a half. I mean. Yeah. Um they looked like know, the better team up until that big sack where yeah. FSU drilled Cade Klubnick because Moffa just missed the block, didn't never saw the guy. Yeah, he missed his assignment and Cade Klubnick yep. is expecting him to pick him up a guy on the backside. He did yep. not. And Florida State's probably their fastest linebacker, uh Kalen Deloach, mm -hmm. was at I mean, he was at full speed and he almost put that dude in the, the molten core of the earth. <laughs> Um, yeah, that I was like, ooh, that looks like that that looks like it hurt. But yeah, yeah, touchdown there. That they looked like the better team to me up until that moment. That was the yeah, shit. On a, play, like, oh. on a play for play basis, I I think 
Clemson was the better team, uh, or at least played better. Um, the offense looked much better than the last couple of times I'd seen them play. Um, yeah, they looked like they had somewhat of an identity. It yeah. was weird. I thought they did well taking what was there and finding things that were there, particularly over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they killed Florida State over the middle of the field all game. Oh, my God. I, I did not look at that. I wish I would have. I meant to do that, and I totally forgot on my drive up here today. Um, I wish I had a chart of club next passes because that little angle route that they kept mm-hmm. throwing to the running back, to a tight end, to whoever, yeah, there's no one in the guy. middle of the field all day. For Florida State, I was just like, maybe, I mean, club is not a threat to run. Like, maybe stick someone in the middle of the field somewhere, Florida State. I don't know. Yeah, I, coach, think just, <laughs> I, I think it's uh, kind of the Garrett. We've talked about Garrett Riley and how he's able to get, you know, through formations and alignments and motion and, and scheme guys open. And it looks like what he was able to do repeatedly where they got, you know, coverage breakdowns on – you know, pre-snap. Okay, here's our here's our lineup. Here's who's got who, and then they motion, or a guy comes across and had some cross-ups over. You know, passing guys off or or rotating over. I mean, guys are just like open, open. So, oh yeah. Uh, up until I would say the last two minutes of the game, um, I thought Clemson was going to win, and then they, much like Notre Dame, had a series of questionable decisions, and uh, you know, in terms of coaching and game management and then a couple just miscues uh, by the players that's a that's a very kind way to put it i, I think it was a master class on I'm how a kind to person lose, yeah <laughs> how to lose a big game um dabo decided on the last offensive possession of regular of uh of regulation we're just going to play for a field goal when you've got third and 11 from like the what I think they were on the 15 yard line or something. They were in close because the field goal I think was right at 30. I mean yeah. it was not so a, it was 50, not a long kick. It was a manageable yeah, roughly, attempt. Roughly 15 yard line and you've got third and eleven and you call QB draw just because you want to center up the ball. Yeah. Boy, no so boy. he claimed he claimed after the game it wasn't that they weren't playing for a field goal. Um they just thought hey yeah, we think the play's there. We think they're going to be, um, you know, maybe kind of over-rotated towards the outside. There'd be something open in the middle of the field. They thought they could get a chunk um, and maybe maybe get a first down. Seems aggressive on third and 11 to, to believe that you're going to get that on a quarterback draw, but he does claim that they weren't trying to center the ball and playing for a field goal. Yeah, your mileage not. may vary on whether you believe that, but that's that's what he said. Yeah, of course not, because that would look that would make him look like an idiot, which he kind of did, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like church it up. I mean, that was a terrible fucking offensive call, and yeah, sure, I hate like dissecting play calls because I'm not a coach. Okay, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't have a shred of knowledge compared to what Garrett Riley has, but who in that fucking box is sitting there saying, yeah, third and 11, let's call QB draw. I think we'll gain 12 yards in the red zone when they've got, you know, you don't have as much space with defenders backed up and such. I mean, everybody's more tightly compacted and Cade Klebnik is going to gain 12 yards out of a possible 15. I, 
I just, I don't get it. So they, in my opinion, played for a field goal and very deservedly missed the field goal and lost the game because of that. And then, and then even worse on Florida state's last drive, what has Clemson been doing all day that has been working for them? They've been getting in Jordan Travis's face. Okay. And then on the last drive, what do they do? They rush three and drop eight and get no pressure on Travis. And he sits there and picks them apart. And I'm just going, are they going to try to get anywhere near him or what? (laughs) And they just didn't. And they just let him, they just let him stand back there and pick him apart. And Clemson gave this game away. In my opinion, I think they gave it away. Uh, yeah, I can get with that. I mean, they 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 played the better game for the majority of the game, and they just didn't close it out. They drop eight, and yet out of those eight, they couldn't figure out a way to double key on Coleman. Like I don't know. Like make that make <laughs> no. sense? Like, no. Like if you're yeah, rushing six guy. and you're putting guys on an island, okay, that's one thing. But if you're if you're dropping eight, <laughs> like the best player on the other team should probably get a little more attention if you have that many guys de- dedicated to down the field. Yeah, at this point, I would say the best skill player in the ACC right now, probably. I mean, is there a better skill guy out there than Keon Coleman right now in the ACC? Um, I'm racking my brain. No one, yeah, no one jumps out. No, I, I can't think of any. I mean, that is the number one dude you would want to have a safety over the top on, potentially. <laughs> something, yeah, or, or at least but, on his side. Yeah, or something. I don't know. It's just one of those just curious kind of scratching your head endings to a game of like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Like, how do you play this well and then just tank and make all these dumb decisions at the end? I I don't. Yeah, it was very similar to Notre Dame. It's like you, you get to a certain point in the game and it's time to close it out. You're like, you stop doing what got you to that point thus far. Mm-hmm. And yeah, make it make I, sense. I didn't really get it. So, you know, but yeah, good same old- they, they, they sometimes, you know, you don't need to make the plays. You just need to not make the mistakes. Like we talked about with uh, Colorado in the TCU game. Um, yeah. So sometimes avoiding mistakes, you know, Bill Belichick won how many Super Bowls by just avoiding mistakes. Let the other team screw it up, you know, and kick the ball out of bounds yeah. or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so good for them. Florida State, they're, uh, I think they dropped. I think they got jumped by Ohio State in the AP poll. I don't pay too much attention to it, but yeah, they're they're in the top yeah. five. They're four and zero, and everything they want is sitting right there in front of them. Yeah, I mean they've got a potential rematch with Clemson, maybe if Clemson can win out. But well, I don't know. I'm not I mean, so sure that they. I don't know that I'm they can, so sure and they they're can. already zero and two in conference. So I don't. Yeah, if they do win out. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure seven and one gets or six and two gets it done. Seven and two. What. Yeah, well, really, it just depends on, well, there's no, yeah, I mean, there's no divisions anymore, so it's the top two teams, and I don't, I mean, it would just depend on what the rest of Duke's schedule looks like, I guess, or North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina's 4-0, so mm-hmm. there's a couple of teams that are in their way, but they've got to go through at least one of them, and I mean, Duke's got a tough matchup this week. I think they play Notre Dame, so yeah. Uh, We'll see, but yeah, Florida State, they're, they're going to be favored in every game they play moving forward, so we'll see how it shakes out for them. Uh, you mentioned Colorado. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not sure that there was a more satisfying outcome than Colorado's results against Oregon on Saturday. And that's not because I don't like Dion or anything like that, or that I even care about Colorado. Who, I mean, like Hunter said, who cares? But I mean, I like Dion just fine, whatever. I don't much care for the arrogance, but that's, that's him. It's always been him. He stays true to who he is. It's totally fine. Sure. But man, can everybody just shut the hell up now? Like, can we stop pretending Colorado is good because they suck? Just like we thought they sucked. And the, uh, you said, they I, were, you know, I wouldn't you said, say that. I, I don't, said, I don't think they you said st- they were going to get dragged is what you said. Yeah, I did. I mean, but that doesn't, you know, getting dragged by a team like Oregon in their, in their house is not, I don't think that necessarily means you suck. I, Colorado still I'll say is better than either of us expected. I think they're probably a six and six ish team, but sometimes when they, oh, yeah, I mean, they're they're. I'm not saying they haven't exceeded when, when they, expectations. When a decent team goes up against a really, really good high end team, this is this is what you get. I think back to last year, right? What were people saying about Oregon? They're a great example, you know, having played in this game after they get absolutely obliterated in week one by Georgia. Yeah. I mean, they lost by forty six. And yeah, well, they still went out and won ten games. Like they were still a good team. They just, when you go up against a top five, top six, top eight, and I think the pool of legit title contenders this year is bigger than it was the last couple of years. You know, usually it's been you're talking about four, maybe five teams, and I think there's more than that this year who have a chance at it. Well, my whole thing about it is like Colorado was ranked coming into this game. Yeah, I, whatever. <laughs> like, are there that many people that legitimately thought they were that good? Like they're a top 25 team? No. I mean, get out of here. Like I just, I'm glad they got the shit kicked out of them, mainly because I was tired of hearing about how good. Well, that's were. my thing is, okay, maybe maybe I get a break from, you know, because if, if, I, if I didn't, if I didn't know any better, it would be different, I guess. And I was like, oh, well, all these people who cover college football for a living are telling me Colorado's good. They must be good. Well, no, like I know how to kind of put what they've done so far in context versus what I thought. And it's like, okay, they, they are better than I thought, but still, you know, you beat, you know, you squeak by what looks like it's going to be a pretty average TCU team. Uh, Nebraska is not great. You get taken to the wire against Colorado state. Yeah. You're three and oh, good. You, you played well enough to win those games. That doesn't make you, I mean, they're not one of the five best teams in their conference. So no. having having three weeks about, oh, well, can they win the Pac-12? Right? I saw a headline, you know, uh, Oregon's blowout of Colorado shocks college football world. I'm like, no, it didn't. Anyone, <laughs> nobody, nobody yep. who has watched college football for more than three weeks was shocked by that. Yeah, I was not. I mean, that I was... I was shocked that Oregon just kind of stopped scoring. I figured because, man, Dan Lanning's pregame speech, man, I wanted to run through a damn wall when I heard that. I was like, let's go. (laughs) You know, that was a great pregame speech. You know, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. Yeah. If I would have been in the locker room and saw that, I would have immediately got my phone and then thrown down a live bet for whatever, like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, minus 38 and a half deal. But like, let's, <laughs> yes. 
I feel like an idiot for not taking Oregon after, you know, it was 21 zip in the first quarter. I was like, man, I should have taken Oregon. This was, this was stupid. I can't believe I didn't do that. But nonetheless, Oregon just completely drags them. They could have scored 75 if they wanted Uh, just Colorado back to the drawing board. Not ready. I think Dion, you know, knew it pretty early. Like made some calls, made some decisions in the game where it's like, yeah, he knows that they're going to I think, I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. He's been around the game yeah. of football for 40 years. He knew going yeah. in that, hey, we're probably going to get our ass whipped up front. Yeah. And, and we're, it's going to be a long day. Um, yeah. You know, his guys played hard. They competed. That's really all he can ask. I'm sure he's fine with it. And he understands like there's going to be, there's going to be these games in year one. They they probably have another one coming up on Saturday that we'll talk yeah. about uh, in a couple more days. All right, so let's uh, let's change gears here because we talked hmm. about Ohio State and let's move yep. back to the Big Ten real quick because I want to. <laughs> I raised a question to you via text message. Yep, and I don't think it's unfair to ask. No, it's if absolutely I'm fair not, to ask. It was it was I'm fair a, to ask two years ago. If I'm an Iowa fan. I'm seriously questioning the athletic director whether or not he cares about winning in football because Iowa is absolutely, with a capital P, pathetic mm-hmm. on offense. It's a disgrace to their fans. And I feel bad for Iowa fans and people who give a shit about that team. They show up on Saturdays and support them and they watch them on TV and they follow them in the damn chat rooms and the message boards and all that shit. And that's the offensive product they run out on the field. Yeah. They spend their hard earned money on punting is winning t-shirts and yeah. I mean, punting is winning. It's, I, I don't get it. Like if you're the, if you are the athletic director at Iowa, if Eric Mulher is the athletic director, newly hired, okay, mm-hmm. do you cut your losses and just pay the $40 million to get rid of this dude that's been there, what, 18 years now? Uh, and it's longer than that. I'm pretty sure it was – I'd have to look it up. I think it was into the 90s. Yeah, I know it's a minimum of 18 years. This may be his 20th or 21st season. He's the longest tenured coach in the FBS, so yep. I do know that. Uh, and yeah, they still owe him about 40 million bucks on his buyout. Yeah. I think they gave him an extension after they won the West a couple of seasons ago. Um, correct. Yeah. So the 1999 season was his first year. Yeah. There you go. So do you just cut your losses and get rid of the entire staff? Because at this point you have to question the decision-making of keeping Brian Ferentz, his kid as the offensive coordinator who, was putrid last year. He's putrid again this year. Yeah, they ran and Penn, he was bad Penn the year State before. Had, yeah, true. And Penn State has a really, really good defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to undersell that. Like they have a fantastic defense. They're loaded with talent. They got NFL dudes and they're well coached. But 33 total offensive plays yeah. for a total of 76 yards. Mm-hmm. There are some offenses out there. Teams like Oregon, Washington, they run 33 plays in a quarter. 
Penn State well, had well, Washington doesn't because they usually score in about seven plays. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but or like UCF is a good example. They they play fast. You know they yeah. they they'll run thirty plays in a quarter if you let them. And so, I just don't. I don't think they actually care about winning. I think they just care about living off the Big Ten TV money and know that their fans are loyal and they'll continue to show up no matter how bad they suck and sort of a Nebraska feel to it, you know? Um, like, Nebraska actually gives a shit enough to fire coaches when they suck. Right. But this guy sucks and hasn't won a Big Ten title since 2004, and there's no indication to me that he's getting any better. So why the fuck do you keep paying this guy to put this shit product on the field? Well, in fairness to him, he's had one losing season since 2007. Um, okay, that's fair. So, it, I mean, they've won eight games, ten games, uh, six and two during the COVID year, ten games, nine games, eight games, eight games, 12 games. They're just – the problem is they're stuck. There's like there's a ceiling, right? I think they probably already maxed out with Kirk Ferentz. If you haven't maxed out with a guy for 24 years, like he's, it's never going to be any better. Right. So, as to your question, like, am I, am I getting hired today? Are you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, say you've had the job since Brian Ferentz took over as the OC. Okay, so and that was uh, that was 2018 or 19. Um, right, four years. If ago, I was the athletic so. director. Brian Ferentz would not have been the offensive coordinator this year or last. <laughs> so, I I don't know, man. I just I don't want to spend any more time on Iowa. They suck, but you know, at least on offense, their defense, you know, whatever, they're good. But shit, they're tired. Thirty three plays yeah. on offense. That's it. I mean, my God, they're not going to be able to stop anybody like that. It's just, it's a shame. I feel for Iowa fans. I hate it, but yeah, I, I mean, and I remember tweeting this and getting a bunch of grief um, last year. And I was like, I think it's the point where if you want to get rid of Brian, Fer- then, you know, when like the Bob Stoops cameo thing was happening and all that, um, I forgot about that. It's like, you know, I almost feel like if you want to get rid of Brian Ferentz, like you have to fire his dad because it's never going to happen otherwise. And no. I, they kind of, you know, the hunger games contract that he's on was sort of like a step in that direction without, going full on but yeah if i was the athletic director i would be i would be tempted because i would question very seriously like will they ever be more than just an eight or nine win team yeah i don't think they will and at least not with kirk ferentz at the helm i just i don't anybody who's watching this offensive performance and is that stubborn and won't come out and just say we're fucking terrible on offense and we're going to replace some staff members. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that would, if I were an Iowa fan would absolutely drive me nuts is his total disregard for the fact that it's a huge problem. Like that. It's one of the worst, not just in power five it's one of the worst offenses in FBS the last yeah. two and a half years. And he's that's- like, well, you know, last time I checked, we let him won 10 games last year. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then when you played a real team like Michigan, you got, got steamrolled. Yeah, because you can't score. Uh, I don't. Anyway, enough about Iowa. Penn State, another win. You know, but they don't really play. They're going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, they're 
They don't really play anybody until they play Ohio State or Michigan. So the Big Ten West, worst conference in football, worst division in football. Sorry. Uh, okay, let's shift gears to the SEC real quick. We're running up close to 50 minutes here. Uh, Alabama Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of takeaways from this game. The one that, that I, the one takeaway that's like glaring to me is that this was a tale of two halves for this team. The first half, they looked lost. They looked like they had no identity. They couldn't get out of their own way. The play calling was nuts. Like first and goal from the one after a block punt, and you're in the shotgun. What are we doing? I mean, my God, we have, and I'm not joking, the biggest offensive line in the country. They average 350 pounds. What the fuck are we doing in the shotgun? Sneak the ball. You have a 230-pound quarterback in the biggest offensive line in football. Just run a QB sneak. They did it later in the game, and shocker, it worked. Stunning. On a, Yeah, weird. On a, a drive that, in which the referees shorted Alabama a down, by the way. But uh, nonetheless, Taylor two halves, man. They looked lost in the first half. They looked like a bad football team. You know, they they just like we're going to lose four or five five games if we play like this against teams that you know are better than Ole Miss, who I think is a by the way a complete fraud. I don't think they're very good. But second half, it looked like Alabama. They looked good. They ran the ball well. Milro didn't make any just crazy stupid mistakes in the second half and they looked like they could play with anybody and beat anybody yeah the parts the parts i watched were which probably came out to a little less than half of the game he looked fine other i mean the pick was awful um yeah yeah other you, than he, that he was he looked that guy down the whole time and i yeah <laughs> even even i knew where he was going with the ball yeah, but I mean, aside from that, I thought he played well. He had he had some really good throws down the field. You know, he didn't let the one mistake. Saban talked about it in the press conference, like, "Hey, you know, you just can't let one turnover turn into two turnovers and three turnovers. You have to, you know, stay patient and take what's there." And I thought he did a good job of that. Uh, the defense looked really, really good in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, the defense. I don't think is uh, the issue. I don't think that's been the issue all year. Defense has been fantastic uh, for the most part. They they fly around. They get they get pressure on the quarterback. They've done better with that as the season has gone on. They've started getting more and more pressure on the QBs. So that's encouraging. Uh, I did see quite a bit of that. But ultimately, like I say, I think Ole Miss is just a fraud. I don't think they're very good. I think Quinchon Judkins is amazing. But outside of him – I don't think they're very good. I mean, they struggled with a two-lane team all right. that, that did not have Michael Pratt. They struggled and looked like shit against Georgia Tech for most of the game. I just I don't know that they're very good, man. I think. Yeah, I think they're probably another seven or eight win team, like most years. They just yeah. kind of have a habit of getting off to a hot start, and then it seems like uh, the league figures them out. And then they, yeah. they hit a wall and teeter towards the end. Well, we'll see what happens moving forward. They've got to continue to do, you know, they've got to continue to win ball games. I mean, that they, they look like a team to me that is capable of winning double-digit games unless they just completely shoot themselves in the foot. 
I guess is mm-hmm. how I see Alabama. Like they're going to have to completely and utterly shoot themselves in the foot against somebody on of the people that are left on their schedule to lose a game or two. Uh, and it's possible if they look like they looked in the first half, they could lose a few games. But if they look like yeah, they I think in the second half, if they come out not. like they did, if they look, uh, if they play like they did in the first half against LSU. I don't think it'll be a seven six game at halftime. I think they'll be down. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Tennessee to a, maybe to a lesser extent because I don't think they're as good and I don't think they're as ferocious defensively. But you know, you make some mistakes against Tennessee and you can find yourself down a couple touchdowns fast with that offense. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh, okay. So, and speaking of LSU, uh, I don't know if you had eyes on that game at all. I watched most of the game. It was on TV two for me. Uh, KJ Jefferson. Threw all over them. Yep. LSU's got a, they have problems on the back end, dude, still. I mean, that's for all they keep winning and they keep finding ways to grind out wins and they kicked a last second field goal to beat Arkansas at home. But man, they have problems on the back end. If, if and when they made a team that can really sling it, they're going to, they're going to be in trouble. (laughs) Like, I don't know, man. They just, Jaden Daniels looked pretty bad. In the first half, he did not look good. He sort of cleaned it up towards the end of the game. And like I said, they were able to get a win. But, man, they just – they can't stop anybody through the air. That's uh, – I, I have serious concerns about that. I know we had those coming into the year. But, nonetheless, LSU gets the win, 34-31. So, that's really all the takes I had from this week. Do you have any other takes from any games this week that we missed – I only have one take, and um, other than the fact that PJ Flex should be fired for losing to Northwestern. Other than that, that but that is a definite take. Uh, it's not <laughs> that it's not that they lost; it's that they blew a twenty-one. They were up by twenty-one when the fourth quarter started against yeah. Northwestern. Yeah. So fireable offense one is only being up twenty-one points on that team after three quarters. Fireable offense two is letting them come back and win. Um. I I didn't watch it yesterday. I watched it this morning because I T-voted it. Uh, but the South Carolina-Mississippi State game. I oh, have yeah, one takeaway. Yeah. I have one takeaway. Uh, we don't have to talk about the game the, like as a whole. But I will say this because we've given the guy um, his fair share of grief over the last two years. Uh, Spencer Rattler is playing fantastic football this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's he is. Getting- He's playing really good. He is getting zero. They've been better um, as you know the the first month of the season has progressed. But he's not getting a ton of help up front from his O line. He's not getting any. I mean, North Carolina had sixteen tackles for a loss and nine sacks against them. Yeah, they were better against. And maybe it's just a matter of they were playing Mississippi State. They looked a little better on the offensive line yesterday, but uh, given his sort of surrounding cast, uh, he is playing, he's looking like the guy we expected to see at Oklahoma. Like he's playing yeah. out of his mind. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with that. With I think a cap a good to take. Dr. Thunder. But yeah, no doubt. Dr. Thunder doing it, still doing it, man. And uh, I just saw Dr. Pepper dominated today as well. <laughs> Chiefs were up big yeah. like 41 to nothing on the bears. So yikes. Uh, Man, things are bad in Chicago. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll wrap us up for week four. Huge week four. A lot to look forward to in week five, man. we got a Friday night delight with Utah and Oregon State on Friday yeah. night. 
So big game there. Going to see if Cam Rising is finally back. Utah quietly 4-0 without Cam Rising. So yeah, we'll see, man. They, they uh, might hit that over for me even without Cam Rising. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to look. I don't remember what I took. Uh, I think you took the under. Yeah, I think you were on the under. Uh, I'd have to look at that, but I'm pretty sure you were on the under. And then we've Probably. got let's we've got Florida, Kentucky, US. Oh my God, USC plays Colorado. USC might score a hundred points. They might. They might try. Then again, sure. but of course, I don't know what the total is. But uh, right now, it's at seventy three and a half. From what I can tell, I would still pick the over. I think I would too, because I watched USC Over. try to play defense against Arizona State the other night, and it, for, in large part, did not go well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Over. some other, there's some other pretty interesting looking at A and M and Arkansas, LSU, Old Miss, Kansas, yeah. Texas, sneaky good game there. Um, yeah, South, South Carolina, Carolina goes on the road to Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. We all remember what happened last time they met up. Oh yeah, um, I think Tennessee is going to have that one circled, man. I, oof, I kind of. Yeah, I, I would imagine like, so. It's eleven and a half right now, I think, is the line, but uh, it's going to be going to be interesting. There's quite a the the slate is not just super compelling, but there are a lot of good matchups and I think some good opportunities for some bets. Uh, James mm-hmm. Madison minus four and a half against South Alabama. I know two of, two of my two of my pet teams. Um, <laughs> I will not be placing a bet on Michigan State at Iowa. I don't think. What's the under? The total can't be higher than like 36. Yeah, I don't know. Michigan State, Iowa. Let's see if I can find that real quick. I think it's what later time, on. What time slot is that in? Okay, there it is. Oh, yeah, 35 and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, can't be more than 36. There's yeah, no way. I think I think if Iowa's looking for a get-right game, uh, you know, in terms of the offense, they, they might have – this might be it. Yes, this would be a, they're uh, an eleven point favorite right now, and I would I would probably take those because I I mean if if Iowa can score two touchdowns they'll probably win. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I I'll think t- it's I'll gonna that. that's, that's well, potentially a lot uglier. So I don't know, man. That's uh, it's gonna be interesting, but. Uh, yeah, so that'll wrap us up. You guys can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. That's YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, let's see, it's Sunday night. We'll be back with you Tuesday night to get the bets going and place some bets on some college football. Hopefully, Eric can get in the plus column this week. Oh, God, that'd be great, to- wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be great, man. My back's starting to hurt having to carry you, man. It's, it's, uh, you got to, you got, you got to get some stuff right here. Go back uh, to the wells. Yep. Start taking some Iowa unders and things like that. I don't know, man. Go, go back to the statistics. You're a facts guy. But um, either way, we'll be back with you Tuesday night live on YouTube. The podcast will be out the next day. And uh, until then, stay safe, take care, and see you guys later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.